I'm Anthony Davis. It's New Year's Eve, and as 2023 becomes 2024, here on The Weekend Show, we look back at some of our favorite conversations where we dissect American politics, culture, and the unnecessary division that keeps America from progressing in line with the rest of the world. I thought I'd start with a conversation from a few months back with the former United States Federal Bureau of Investigations agent, Deputy Assistant Director of the FBI's Counterintelligence Division, and a guy who led the investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 United States elections, Peter Strzok. I want to focus just initially on his talk about Vladimir Putin, because Russian media takes U.S. media far-right media, for example, Alex Jones stuff, which they rip off of, uh, not YouTube, because he's banned off YouTube, I think Rumble or wherever he, he posts his stuff. And they show uh, Russian citizens to show that the US is now thinking the same as Putin is thinking with regard to the war in Ukraine and other things. But also Donald Trump actually highlighted something that Vladimir Putin had said to effectively try and give him a pass. He pointed to sympathetic comments from Putin to try and bolster his case that he's being treated unfairly by prosecutors uh, in, in, in the US. So, so Putin asserted on Tuesday that the criminal cases against the former US president are political revenge that show the fundamental corruption of the United States. Peter, you, you were at the very center of the first Russia investigation. So you understand who the enemy is in this conversation. And yet we have a former president who is running again, who is referencing propaganda being said by an enemy of the state to try and support his cause. I mean, this is very dangerous and very serious. How does that make you feel? Uh, immensely uncomfortable. I mean, it goes to, you know, what is Trump's conception of the role of the presidency? What is his conception of the civic duty of the presidency? Uh, you know, if you're if you're if your job is wh what is your job as the president? Provide for the national security and defense of the United States, sure. But at the end of the day, presumably you want to say what I can do to advance life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, democracy, democratic ideals. I mean, I would I would argue that most Americans, if you say what do you want your president to do at the end of the day, he or she should do those things, right? Make sure we're safe. And then provide for the liberties and the bounty of democratic society and let that flourish as much as we can in the United States and everywhere else. But for Trump, it's not. He, he has this fascination with authoritarians and power. It is the strong man, whether that's Putin, whether it's Xi and how, you know, the magnificent parades that she has and Duterte, the strong man in the Philippines and, you know, what he says goes and Erdogan and on and on and, and you know, and all the Saudis. Uh, you know, yeah. now Jared is fleecing for, for and, you know, live golf and everything else for all, all they can get. It isn't about I am drawn to democratic ideals. It is I am drawn not just to power, but to authoritarian power, to absolute power, to power that brooks no dissent, to power that snaps its fingers and has things done, to power that wields without any sort of bending the authority over the society. And so, you know, for, to wheel out Putin as a character reference, a war criminal, 
somebody you know who who is not only you know invaded Ukraine but is engaging and has engaged in war crimes against civilians who imprisons and kills dissidents journalists homosexuals non-christians on and on and on to hold that up as some exemplar of here's my you know here's the endorsement on the back of my book it, it just yeah. it doesn't he he's not holding up Abraham Lincoln he is not holding up Gandhi. He is not holding up anybody that you would think of as somebody that an American hero. Vladimir Putin is not an American hero. Xi Jinping is not an American hero. Duterte is not an American hero. Erdogan is not an American hero. MBS is not an American hero. But nevertheless, for Trump, look how strong these men are. How I don't know American should want a president when you say, who do you admire? Who do you, who do, whose endorsement do you want to tell us about picking from that basket of international authoritarians? Mm. He relished it. You know, when he, when he said Putin's name, he kind of gave him a bit of a buildup. You know, he was like the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, like he was expecting Megan Kelly to go, oh, really? And this is what worries me the most is that, again, for me, it goes back to his mental pathology. But to be so deranged as to think that this is going to be impressive to a journalist and to the viewers, it, it just it defies all logic. And it's not, it's not only that he values that and raises that as a positive thing. It's that you cannot, and I challenge you and all your listeners, find a single time where he has ever been critical in the slightest. Yeah. In any way, shape, or form about Putin. You know, Kennedy early on, I think in 15 or 16, challenged him and said, you know, well, you know, Putin's a killer. And Trump's like, well, we're not so clean ourselves. Couldn't even say, yes, yes, he is. So when you get somebody who not only has this fawning admiration, but seemingly an absolute 100% unwillingness and inability to find or articulate the slightest concern or fault, I don't. Get that. I, and that's, you know, it's worse. Anytime somebody is so absolutely blind in their view of anyone, it's concerning. But when you're doing that for somebody who is absolutely a military rival, an ideological rival, a rival on the geopolitical international stage, to have that view of somebody, I mean, ask him about faults with Macron, thousands of instances. Theresa May, same thing. Let's go down to uh, 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 Angela Merkel. Sure, plenty of criticism. Vladimir Putin, not a one, not a single thing. And I just, it, it boggles my mind. It boggles my mind that an entire party who traditionally for the last several generations in America throughout the Cold War were the party of a strong national defense and anti-communism and standing up to the Soviets through strength of our national defense suddenly is in the thrall of this man who cannot say the slightest negative thing about Vladimir Putin. Kim Jong-un went to see Vladimir Putin this week. Went for a, a first visit. He hasn't actually left North Korea since before the pandemic. And, uh, you know, he made the, made the long journey and it was covered pretty widely. And they were having conversations about potential military, uh, military relationship going forward. Russia needs weapons. It's kind of running out of ammunition. And North Korea you know, has the capability. That in itself is very dangerous. But what is more dangerous 
is that Donald Trump gave Kim Jong-un an Elton John album of Rocket Man and created a kind of bromance with him, which with those weird photographs of them, like holding hands and walking across the demilitarized zone. And now Kim Jong is back in touch with his old friend Vladimir Putin. The way I would predict it is, is that if Trump were to win in 2024, he would want to be in that party. He would want to be part of that coalition. Those are the people. And the moment that you get three superpowers, people that have weapons of mass destruction together, that is very, very dangerous. Oh, absolutely. And I think that what, what concerns me most immediately is that I can think of fewer people. The importance of this coming election cannot be overstated to two people. One, Donald Trump. Because if he's going to stay out of jail, he needs to have some return of the presidency, certainly to try and stop any federal prosecution. What that does or doesn't do on a state level, who knows? But his, not just political career, but his life in many ways depends on regaining the presidency. The other person that has an extraordinary amount riding on this is Vladimir Putin. Because it is very clear, I think, that if Trump regains the presidency, that he is immediately going to push for a resolution of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Likely, you know, whether it's, you know, sort of freezing lines, giving Crimea in perpetuity to Russia and what they do with, you know, the eastern parts of, of Ukraine, which have been invaded, I don't know. But Trump is not going to support the continuation of U.S. military assistance to Ukraine. Yeah, it'll give him and the for, Donbass and say, and for, you've got that. Right. And for Putin, who's already faced one near coup from Prigozhin, you know, the prospect of a continuing unsuccessful invasion to his political future, to his yeah. future political survival is immense. And if Biden is reelected, that's going to pose a significant challenge to Vladimir Putin. Whereas if Trump is elected, that in many ways makes Putin's job far, far easier, let alone long-term goals of splitting the, you know, the, the Atlantic alliance and breaking up NATO and any number of things that Trump was well on his way to doing, you know, wittingly or not during the, his first administration. But to have two parties, one, a candidate, for the president of the United States, to a hostile foreign leader like Vladimir Putin with so much riding on the election. I am concerned what that looks like, that to the extent Russia was certainly involved in meddling in our election in 2016, to a lesser extent in 2020. At this point, you know, the, the gloves are off for Putin. So I don't know if there's, you know, how much more he could do or would be willing to do in this upcoming election. I'm not, you know, I, I do discussion for another time about what, you know, how much foreign disinformation and meddling plays a role compared to just the sort of innate domestic nastiness that occurs. I'm not, you know, convinced that, it, you know, it's not uh, overblown in some cases, but I do worry how much Vladimir Putin has running on this coming election and what he will or won't do with regards to that and what is or is not going on in terms of all of the folks who there, there is a logical goal just to you know destabilize the United States, and to the to the extent they see an entire party who is saying we need to radically uh, you know tear apart the federal bureaucracy, we need to defund and dismantle the FBI and DHS and DOJ. That to a Russian propaganda seers, to a Russian intelligence agency, that's yeah, it's like know, Christmas. It's, it's magic, right? It's yeah. like, hey, how can we how can we help fund this? How can we help advance this? How can we help bolster and you know heighten the the this narrative in the visibility of the American and, and global you know populations? So there there is a I think 
this isn't simply a domestic thing going on. I think there are plenty of outside actors outside the United States who see a lot of this debate and see a lot of value in encouraging and funding the dissent and the and the sort of uh, the, the conflict. Part part of the problem with when Bill Barr paraphrased the Mueller report gave the impression that you know there was there was no influence or Russian influence in the in the 2016 election is that that provides cover for Putin to do it again and and as we know whenever there are incidences of um, some kind of hacking you know the the security services it all leads back to the Kremlin in one way or another you know the the 2024 election will undoubtedly have a huge amount of of influence from Russia through the internet. Again, people don't know when they're being manipulated. It comes through Facebook and the ecosystem that they happen to operate in online. And so there are so many factors involved now in helping Donald Trump win, not least the impeachment of Joe Biden, which is, you know, again, a diktat that's come from Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the one who's communicated through Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and Matt Gates and putting all the pressure on Kevin McCarthy so he has to fold because he wants to keep his speakership. There are so many layers to this. And then Donald Trump taking an unconventional attitude towards how the law works. And instead of encouraging or allowing his lawyers to kind of lead the charge, he is dictating to them what they should be doing, which is why he's trying to sue judges and district attorneys, just turning everything on its head. The result of all of this, from Russia and from Trump and from the Heritage Foundation with Project 2025, there's so many people involved, not to mention gerrymandering and redrawing of districts. The point I'm getting to is that Trump could win. Not necessarily because he's got the votes, because as we've discovered, his support is diminishing, but because the system of voting in the U.S. is subject to so much, uh, so many loopholes and and the potential for interference. So just tell me how secure you feel the election could be. What's the FBI doing about it? How focused are they on a repeat of 2016 and 2020 on 2024? I think they made a lot of progress. I mean, they set up a uh, foreign interference task force just within the FBI, but also working with the community. And I think we were much better prepared in 2020 uh, than we were in 2016. And so I I don't think the, the prospect of a massive disinformation campaign from abroad having success, I, I don't think is realistic. But look, I do, you know, the, the, the best analogy I can come up with is, you know, America is facing a, a huge number of massive wildfires across the United States, which are generated in the United States, which are endemic to the United States. But yet you have Russia with 100 gallons of gasoline who is watching this. And if they want to be as malicious as possible with 100 gallons of gasoline and have free reign to kind of go in where there's some wildfire that exists, which is threatening to go out of control, to pour a little gas here, to pour a little gas there. You can do immense damage. You're not causing the bulk of these wildfires. You're not you know, going to have a huge say at the end of the day, whether they're all successfully contained or not. But it doesn't take a lot to cause immense mischief and damage. And I do think the structure, you know, to your point, 
the structure, whether it's you know a third party like No Labels or RFK Jr., the, the the prospect is somebody not that there isn't a greater level of support for Joe Biden, who you know clearly overwhelmingly won the popular vote, but due to the weirdness of the electoral college and and the sort of demographics of the way things work, and particularly third party, any number of things could cause certainly I think for Trump to be elected. And what does you know worry me? One, two, two big things, right? During the first Trump administration, you did have people who were historically Republican government people who came in to serve in his administration, who were not crazy, who were competent, who tried to do a good job, who tried to push back. By and large, they all left, right? By the end, they had quit. They had been fired. They weren't there. And you saw the second and third string, the mediocre white men like Jeff Clark and Kim Cuccinelli and others who are just not really the 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 you know the, the best America has to offer. That we will be lucky to get that as the starting team in a future Trump administration. You are not going to have all these, you know, General Kelly and Kirsten Nielsen and Rex Tillerson and all these people are not going to be willing to, you know, Stephen Nuchin, they're not going to be willing to return people of that caliber. You'll get Mike Flynn instead. Right. And so too, I think there's also the other thing that worries me is the the sense that I had from the the Trump campaign in the early administration is they did not expect to win. They were surprised come the morning after election when they realized they had won the White House. They had not made plans. They, it was, you know, all something that Trump, I think, frankly, was trying to do to generate publicity, to generate sales of his stakes in university and charitable foundation or whatever else that he thought he could grift off of the notoriety of having won and lost the presidency. And suddenly he finds himself there. And I think particularly when you look to strategists like Bannon, this idea of chaos and remaking the administrative state, they didn't really have a plan to do it. And they lost. They, there, there were months and months and months where they scrambled to just get the administration in place. And I think they understand that that was a lost, op- lost from their perspective, a lost opportunity to from day one to quickly get in there, to boot out you know, sort of nonpartisan professionals to install loyalists, one, and to particularly do that in the areas which I, d- I think they underappreciated the need to have loyalists at the head of the Department of Justice, the head of the Department of Defense, the head of the FBI, all the people who have guns, which is scary from the perspective of if you are an authoritarian or an authoritarian desiring person to come to the realization at the end of your last presidency when you didn't have, you know, necessarily the the, the, the yes men, you know, at DOD who would or would not do what you wanted to do in terms of putting down the insurrection or sending in the National Guard, having an understanding early on that very quickly we need to move to assert control over these organizations and to to take in, you know, anybody across the government. You're like, well, if you voted for if you donated to a Democrat based on the, the election records, well, we're going to you know remove you from your senior executive position, not political appointees. I'm not talking about that top level who have to get, you know, who are appointed by the the administration and confirmed by the Senate. I'm talking about career professionals, the things that make our professional bureaucracy, you know, not a patronage system, not a corrupt sort of, you know, thing you'd find in a developing nation that has, you know, just rampant corruption. That is the sort of thing. And and again, Anthony, nothing's hidden. You, You mentioned all these, all these groups, they are out there now saying, here are our plans to identify these folks, to remove them and to put in loyalists from day one. And they're saying it. It's not hidden. It's not a secret. It is absolutely being put out there. It is fundamentally undemocratic and nobody cares. 
And yet, yeah, maybe you get an article here or a news mention there. Nobody's really talking about the fact that it is going on, that is absolutely what they plan to do, and that plans are being drawn up now and will be in place. Come, but this, you know, this is, it's almost American exceptionalism, isn't it? The idea that, you know, oh, well, that'll never happen to our country. People have very short memories. I was thinking the other day about, I mean, I was making a video and I was putting some clips together of what it was like during Donald Trump's presidency. The the left and progressive thinkers, um, Democrats, they don't go quietly. They like to protest. They like to stand up for their rights. We had women's march. We had BLM marches. We had so much counter-protest to the Donald Trump movement. He erected that horrific fence outside the, uh, well, it was a fortress around the a White House. Then we had police brutality in untold numbers, you know, because police suddenly felt like they could do whatever they liked because Donald Trump was in charge and he basically said to them, oh, you know, you don't have to go easy on people, just go for it. We had the, the murder of George Floyd and, and Derek Chauvin thinking he could get away with it because Donald Trump was the president, even though he was being filmed by a passerby. Terrible, terrible things. The, the, the civilians being disappeared off the streets of Portland by military personnel in kind of unmarked clothing in unmarked vehicles. I mean, it was, this is like third world stuff, and it was happening here in America under Donald Trump's presidency. That is what we have to look forward to again if he were to win. The, the, the unrest. My, my local high street was boarded up. There was the National Guard standing on the streets around where I live. I mean, do people not remember that? Lafayette Square and a military helicopter being used? came a report was done it came down to like 300 feet to buzz people out of the way so trump could go and have his photo op with the bible this is just horrendous it is not the fair and free america that i moved to because i wanted to come to a place that was you know a, a true kind of place of freedom why why do people have such short memories peter i i don't know i think Probably because a lot of folks are not necessarily that closely engaged in events. And so when something significant happens, it kind of, they take notice, but because they're not living it day in, day out, they forget about it. I think there is a tendency, you know, whether it's American exceptionalism, whether it's arrogance, whether it is a sort of rose colored glasses view of American democracy and an unwillingness or being afraid to consider how bad it might become. And, you know, it wasn't just, remember, like, and again, this goes to the point of, like, who, who will be the guardrails in the next Trump administration? He wanted the 82nd. He's like, I want not the National Guard. I want active duty army yeah. divisions in D.C. Bring them up. And they were, there was huge pushback, I think, from, from potentially Bill Barr and from DOD, notwithstanding Bill Barr's little march through Lafayette Square that ended up, you know, tear gassing or, or pepper spraying everybody, you know, minutes afterwards. But Trump's desire, I want active duty troops on the ground right here in Washington, D.C. to put this down. He wanted that. Yeah. And, if and parades, you military have, parades he wanted. Right. And I, push back on that. If you don't have people around him pushing back on that, you know, putting alligators in the Rio Grande and, you know, shooting people in the leg, I, just, these horrible things that, People were telling me, no, that's illegal. You can't do that. 
when you have, you know, the, the, what January 6th, team normal and team crazy, right? And when you had like Sidney Powell and Mike Flynn and Patrick Byrne, what happens if that's your full-time kitchen cabinet at the White House? People like that saying crazy things and whatever barriers in terms of the rule of law that existed if people aren't there to do it because they don't want to, because they're not competent, because you know n nobody who would be willing to do it is willing to serve. I, I just, I think people are comfortable being comfortable. They don't want to consider how bad it might be. They, there is a, a natural reluctance to say, oh, that's overblown. It, it'll never get, somebody will stop it. Nobody yeah. would actually do it. But then you look and see, how well, no, actually, people did do it. People actually were planning for it. And it's not the, this comfortable veneer of law and order and comfort. I think people don't appreciate how thin that is and, you know, to our peril. And, and, and some of it is like, you know, when was the last time? Like, I don't think if you go through a period where you're fighting World War I as a nation or World War II, when you have the Great Depression, when you have existential challenges, I think that lends a population an appreciation of how one valuable the peaceful and fruits of democracy are, but two, how how transient it can be if you don't actively work for it. And we've been, I mean, let's face it, yeah, you know, we've had global war on terror, and I don't want to minimize anybody's service in, you know, Iraq or Afghanistan, but largely past generation and a half have been marked by pretty peaceful, largely comfortable yeah. existences for most of We've America. had it easy. That's a kind of way to look at it, right? You know, it's, it's unlike Europe, which, of course, you know, in 1939 fell to war and has daily reminders of it. The U.S., unless you're you know, living in Pearl Harbor, you, you don't really get that daily reminder in the same way. Yeah. And I don't, I, I thought, you know, did COVID had the potential for, for bringing us together? But I think even COVID yeah. divided us as a nation yeah. because you had some people who somehow it broke down oddly along party lines. On the one hand, like medical science, everybody go, you know, wear a mask and get vaccinated somehow became a partisan issue. How, you know, never before, you know, when we we're fighting polio, that was not a partisan issue, but somehow this thing, COVID, that could have brought a nation together a pandemic where everybody was isolated and we band together and common sacrifice for each other. And we come out together because we value our fellow man and woman. Instead, it's like, oh, you know, fuck you. I'm not getting vaccinated. You can't tell me what to do. Don't tread on me. I've got my rights. I'm not going to wear a mask. And that became a political thing. And so, I don't know. I just, I just, I, I worry about our ability to come together and continue to see common ideals as a nation that transcend party. Uh, because I think that's, we've, we've somehow lost that. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our minds. Now we're selling t-shirts and Midas Touch merch, and it's so easy, all because we use Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch of your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're delivering daily digests or serving sensational scoops, Shopify will help you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds and Rothneys and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success at every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash weekend. Go to shopify.com slash weekend now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash weekend. Real Talk. 52% of men over 40 experience some form of erectile dysfunction between the age of 40 and 70, but it's always been a taboo topic. Thankfully, Hims is changing that by providing affordable access to ED treatment, and it's all done online. Hims provides access to clinically proven generic alternatives to Viagra and Cialis, up to 95% cheaper with options as low as just $2 a dose. The process is simple and 100% online, no uncomfortable doctor's visits. Answer a series of questions on their site and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option if prescribed your medication ships directly to you for free in discreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You pay one low price for your treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments and provider messaging. Hims has hundreds of thousands of trusted subscribers, so if ED is getting you down, it's time to change that. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash weekend. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash weekend for your personalized ED treatment options. That's hymns.com slash weekend. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Just a few weeks ago, I had a conversation with one of my favorite guests, Partners for Justice founder, Emily Galvin Almanza. The, the, the rise of Christian nationalism in the U.S. is presenting some very interesting conversations. You know, when we see the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, who says, you know, if anybody wants to know what my views are, they can pick up a Bible off of their shelf and just read it. And I thought to myself, well, I don't actually have a Bible on my shelf. He's he's already judging and presuming that I do. But, you know, this is very worrying because interpretation really is the word here. And his interpretation of the Bible and other people's interpretation of voting rights and interpretation of, of a woman's right to abortion access. And then, of course, the abortion of the, the uh, not abortion, sorry, the interpretation of abortion in different states. So... Yes. 
you don't know what kind of care you're entitled to because the law is changing all the time. And if you go to a hospital, you don't know what you're going to get. And and the tragic stories is the one you just told are happening every day, all the time in these Republican states that have banned abortion because doctors don't want to get sued or struck yeah. off. It, it's This is like third world stuff in a place that Americans like to call the greatest country in the world. It is. And it's the boiling frog theory as well. I mean, we are a country that has had some really weird, restrictive puritanical laws. And unlike the rest of the world, venerates those aspects of our history rather than moving past them. Yeah. I, mean, I think something that a lot of Americans fail to realize is that like when you compare us to Europe, I think a lot of people think that we're like peers with Europe. And Oh, no. I, <laughs> I, I have experience in that. Yes. So yeah. we would be considered extraordinarily conservative yeah. in a European framework. And like even European nations that have turned towards far right movements still have universal access to health care and really, you know, good educational systems yeah. and investment in the social safety net so that there, you know, yes, there are housing crises, but nothing on the scale of ours. Um, and I think that we forget that our baseline standard normal is actually really regressive. And so when we try to go regressive, we are going like middle ages, yeah, terrifyingly, perhaps biblical level uh, regressive. I, I always say this, you know, it's the, the, where does, where is the right? You know, where is the right? And in America, the right is very much to the far right. But the right, say in the UK, for example, is you would consider it moderate, I suppose, mm -hmm. because nobody wants to get rid of universal free health care. Nobody wants to get rid of the welfare state, you know, the support for people who can't work. It's, it's, it's very interesting how your uh, parameters for normality are different depending on the, the country you have been born into. And this is why I encourage everybody to emigrate just for a little bit, you know, just to get a yeah. sense of how it happens elsewhere. And and I want to talk about this rise of the, the right that is happening across other nations as well. We just saw in Argentina a guy who is a lunatic. I mean, he's brandishing a chainsaw. That was, that's his kind of, you know, that, that, was, that was his brand, the yeah. chainsaw. Um, you know, getting getting elected in Argentina. We've got to take another quick pause for our sponsor, but we'll come back and take a look at these characters next here on The Weekend Show. Cold turkey may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. We're not talking about some mind voodoo from your crazy neighbor or something you have to learn from a big, thick book. We're talking about our sponsor, Fume, and they look at the problem in a different way. Not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-winning, flavoured air device that does just that. Instead of vapour, Fume uses flavoured air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavours. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. 
It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while breaking your habit. I gave one to my sister, she needed it, and it completely changed her habits too. You've got to try the new Solano fume. It's made with a premium walnut barrel and an onyx-coated mouthpiece that has slightly softer finish. Start the holidays off right with a good habit by going to tryfume.com slash weekend and getting the journey pack today. Fume is giving listeners to this show 20% off until December 1st if you use the code WEEKEND to help make starting the good habit that much easier. Start the good habit at trifume.com slash weekend to save an additional 20% off the journey pack today until December 1st and 10% off all year round. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Maid's bedsheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Using silver-infused fabrics originally inspired by NASA, Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long so you get a better sleep every night. These sheets are infused with silver that prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresher three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Bacteria can clog your pores, causing outbreaks and acne. Sleep clean with Miracle. Go to trymiracle.com slash weekend to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo code weekend at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash weekend and use the code weekend to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. That's trymiracle.com slash weekend to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. We're back with Emily Galvin Almanza here on The Weekend Show. Uh, across the globe, the far right appears to be on the ascent. It has seized commanding heights in Giorgio Maloney's Italy, Viktor Orban's Hungary, whilst formerly ostracized ethno-nationalist parties like the Sweden Democrats and the True Finns are now in governing coalitions. Argentina's just elected a president, this character Javier Millet, who promises to to commodify all facets of social life um, and accompanying that with rabid anti-feminism and culture war invectives. He says, in my government, there will be no cultural Marxism. We're hearing the same from Donald Trump. You know, he is now invoking the language of Adolf Hitler. And, and, and you know, we've been looking at how the speeches are the same, referring to, to vermin and using identical language. 
you know, despite everything you and I have just been discussing about what is normal, there is a gravitation towards these populist extremist characters who, who pretend to be, you know, there for the people, but actually have no interest in that. They either want to burn it all down or just cause chaos. Well, you know, if, if this is a, if this is a pandemic of authoritarianism, it's not looking good for the U S next year. You know, two things. First is that I think that your use of the word pandemic is really relevant here um, because authoritarians rise through fear. Um, one of the things I see in my sector, which is really interesting, is that people's idea of whether crime is rising or falling, which, by the way, is just a proxy for whether they feel safe at home. It follows very consistently with whether their preferred political party is in or out of power. So when people's party is out of power, they think crime is rising, whether or not it actually is rising. Why do we link our idea of power to crime so thoroughly? Well, because people generally are asking when they go to the voting booth or when they decide who to support some version of, am I safe? Will this person fix our economy? Am I safe? What about our healthcare system? Will I be able to get a healthcare if this person's elected? Am I safe? Will I be able to keep my job? Am I safe? Um, there is no aspect of our government's role in our community that doesn't have something to do with whether we feel like we're okay. So when people feel really, really, really not okay, not safe, I think that there is a danger and a tendency to turn towards people who either express wanting to tear everything down, perhaps with a chainsaw, or people who are ex expressing extremist ideas of what the right answer is. And I think there's, there is a danger of that in our country. And I, I don't just mean from folks who are already conservative because they have fears about immigration or because they have fears about our economy or because they have fears about, I've always been really amused by the fact that like apocalypse preppers are not climate change people. I really feel like, like the, <laughs> we should get together on this, but setting that aside, um, I also feel like from progressives who feel like they're living in a country where this government has not been able to keep them safe because of the action of their states. I think that's really dangerous too, because you can reach a sense of helplessness or a sense of just frustration with the status quo that can drive people into extreme acts, views, and also divestment from government and from politics. So I think all of those are dangers. And yes, the pandemic, the actual pandemic, has contributed a lot to those feelings by confining people, changing the framework of our daily life, and creating new risks in our society. I actually think the word populist is the wrong word, and the media uses it a lot. I, I see populist as maybe somebody who is more generous and kind of very much in the present, but I don't see Donald Trump as a populist. I see him as an authoritarian, and I think the choice now is between democracy and dictatorship. I mean, let's not forget that speech that he made. I can't remember if it was his inauguration speech or if it was before but he said, the American dream is dead. I alone can fix it. That, that, that is what they're doing here, isn't it? They are, they, are, they are breaking stuff. I mean, he broke democracy by denying that the election, you know, by saying the election was rigged. 
And now he's saying, if you vote me back, I will bring democracy back to America. Yeah, but, you know, it's also, um, it's relying on this idea that the American dream is dead. What is the American dream? It's hope. It's your aspiration. It's the idea that anyone can succeed. It's the idea that you can have a house and be, the ability to put food on the table for your family if you just work hard enough. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people he's speaking to that do feel like that dream is dead, but because of lack of education, haven't linked that through to the very policies he's espousing. So people who are living in a small town in rural America and don't have any more doctors because all the doctors left town because of the possible criminalization of aspects of their practice or have, you know, a, teachers quitting their school system because the teachers are scared of book bans and scared of saying the wrong thing in the classroom and being persecuted. Or, you know, I remember I was talking to um, uh, a guy who's running for the Senate in um, West Virginia, and he was telling me an anecdote um, about how he'd been delivering water to a region of West Virginia that didn't have clean water. And he was talking to a Trump voter about that guy's vote. I mean, obviously, this is a Democrat who's running for Senate, and he really, um, this was actually before Joe Manchin had decided not to run, so he thought it was going to be a, a, mu a much different race than it may turn out to be. But he was talking to this guy about why he voted for Trump, and this guy was listing all the things that Trump was going to do for him. And this, he, the candidate said, all right, man, like I hear you on all those things, but all I see around here are Democrats bringing you clean water. Yeah. And, and water, I mean, the fact that we even have to talk about the lack of clean water in, in the U.S., whether it be Flint, Michigan, or anywhere else, you know, Biden is trying to remove lead pipes and replace them with, with new pipes. Contamination, I mean, I even checked my water supply here. It has 800 times the amount of arsenic that is legally acceptable. And I'm like, this, you know, <laughs> these are the norms that we've gotten used to. And so, again, this, it, it, it's this third world thing. It, it's like, in, it's constantly, for me anyway, as a European, it's like we have allowed third world action or third, third world experience to be normalized. And then it is these extremist characters that come along and they're like, well, you know, I'll solve all your problems. And is it because there are so many problems that people don't have the time or the energy to kind of deal with all these things? So they're like, if one guy shows up with an orange face and is like, I'm going to sort all this out for you, you leave it to me, you get on, you carry on watching Netflix, chilling out, you know, it's not a problem, I've got this, that some people are like, yeah. Okay, you you deal with it. That's how confidence men have always operated. Is right? yeah. like, I have a really serious problem. The problem I have is really scary. All of these experts have told me that my problem is complicated and that it's going to take many different steps that are complicated and difficult and have to work together in order to fix my problem. On the other hand, I got this guy here who's like got weird hair, but they all have weird hair. Why do they all have weird hair? But the guy saying, I've got this, don't even worry, it's simple. Yeah. You know, they don't understand, I understand, which is how you get people buying into really unhinged solutions to complex problems because they are told that it is simple. And when they're asking, am I safe? Simplicity gives a quick yes answer, even if that answer is an illusion. And 
There's no room for nuance in a lot of this stuff, is there? Because, you know, so much of what you and I are discussing requires an understanding of nuance, whether it be the, the, the black man with his hands on the, on the hood or the black man in uniform that is arresting him. We, we, we are required to make the effort to be open to nuance mm-hmm. and have a nuanced conversation. And yet so much of what I hear from Republicans, MAGA Republicans and the like is just black and white, it's that side or that side. And, you know, the thinking that if you shut the border, then suddenly there'll magically be more jobs. I mean, none of it makes sense. And yet people don't have the time for the nuanced conversations. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, again, this comes down to education. Yeah. Tolerance for complexity, as you point out, for nuance. I think there's also a certain level of comfort with ambiguity. Mm-hmm. Like, I, one of the things that I... One of the things that I like about myself, <laughs> but really, honestly, is that in law school, uh, you're often called upon in a way that's quite alarming to know the answer to things, right? Like you get cold called. They are like, Miss, Miss Galvin Almanza, what is the answer? To, what is the hand theorem? And um, something that I embraced early in life that I'm really grateful for is the ability to say, I don't know. Let me let me learn more. Not actually great in a law school class, but great in a human life, yeah. which is comfort with not knowing, comfort with... I will give this to you in another context. North Americans, particularly in the United States, seem really comfortable instantly applying the politics of other nations to our own frameworks and saying, well, I, you know, I read about this for two minutes, so I know everything about the South American situation that's going on and like opining on it heavily. And I think that if we had more comfort with ambiguity and more humility in our own need to listen, to listen to people who are directly experiencing harm, to listen to people who have spent years working on that harm, that kind of humility and comfort with not knowing would serve us really well. It leads us away from authoritarian solutions because instantly, once you adopt a framework of humility and comfort with ambiguity, the guy who is sure he knows everything seems really not plausible. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Made's bed sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Using silver-infused fabrics originally inspired by NASA, Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long so you get a better sleep every night. These sheets are infused with silver that prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresher three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Bacteria can clog your pores, causing outbreaks and acne. Sleep clean with Miracle. Go to trymiracle.com slash weekend to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo code weekend at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. 
Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash weekend and use the code weekend to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. That's trymiracle.com slash weekend to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. If someone would have told me that there are science-backed ingredients that could help me feel 15 years younger in a matter of months, I wouldn't have believed it. Then I tried Qualia Senolytic. As we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their bodies. Senescent cells cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and pains, slow workout recoveries, sluggish mental and physical energy associated with that middle-age feeling. Also known as zombie cells, they are old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they are taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. Much like pruning the yellowing off dead leaves of a plant, Qualia Senolytic removes those worn-out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. It takes just two days a month. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all ingredients together. It has a 100-day money-back guarantee, and since taking Qualia Senolytic, I have higher energy levels, I feel 15 years younger, and feel more productive and enthusiastic in life, not to mention less aches and pains. Resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash weekend for up to $100 off and use code weekend at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash weekend for an extra 15% off your purchase. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's video. Lev Parnas is a Ukrainian-born American businessman and former associate of Rudy Giuliani. Parnas, Igor Fruman, they were all involved in the Trump-Ukraine scandal. He was sentenced to a year and eight months in prison for fraud and campaign finance crimes. Well, after seeing the error of his ways, Lev Parnas spoke candidly to me about the danger of Donald Trump. So let's talk about the moment finally where you realized that you'd been duped, that you were surrounded by criminals and, and manipulators and that the cult was not something that you could remain with. Was this when you were arrested? Was this when you were serving your, your federal prison time? I mean, wh when did the change come where you felt that, you know, that, that moment where you were like, aha? It was a process. I mean, the moment, the aha moment was uh, when I got uh, you know, when I fired, uh, when I was sitting in Alexandria, Virginia, when I got arrested and I fired Trump's lawyers that he gave me, John Dowd and Downing, Kevin Downing. And I was, I had no attorney at the time, not knowing what I'm even there for and how I'm ever going to get out. And, you know, having no contact to the outside world without a piece of paper or a pen, not allowed just with a soap bar and a toothbrush in my cell. And all of a sudden in the middle of the night, I got a postcard slipped under my door, uh, addressed to me with no no inmate number nothing just uh, basically it was from the white house and rudy giuliani and uh i'm not going to go into the message uh you'll have to read the book and watch midas touch network i'm going to be releasing that stuff on there but 
uh, that was when my I came to a rude awakening that uh, something's wrong, and uh, I kind of uh, started turning and reflecting and understanding that now I'm being used as a scapegoat, that I need to think quickly, otherwise, you know, I might never get out of here, and my family might never see me again. And then it was a process, I mean, through, you know, uh, going to prison, going through, first of all, COVID, the trial, prison, uh, a lot of time, you know, several years passed that I was able to reflect, understand, and now being out of the cult, you're able to look at other news stations, your your other opinions, you're able to reflect and understand and say, oh, now how stupid must have I been? Because look, I didn't realize, I didn't see this was going on at the same time. This, because I only saw one way, no other way. And then really started, you know, watching Trump lie on TV, you know, knowing Giuliani lie on TV, you know. Uh, the One of the biggest moments came when, you know, at the impeachment trial, when, you know, Devin Nunez was sitting there as the, you know, head House Judiciary Chair, and Eric Swalwell brought in something into evidence by saying, you know, Lev Parnas said that, uh, you know, he interviewed uh, on your behalf, Victor Shokin or somebody in, he just lied to the American people and said, I don't know who Lev Parnas, who, he, he didn't even, he mispronounced my name. And then the next day, uh, validation, went, you know, because at first I was so upset. I was like, I can't believe, like, how is he going to get away with that? You know, he's lying and blatantly. And Adam Schiff, uh, as, you know, I believe in God and God works in mysterious ways. And the next day, Adam Schiff brought out the phone records, basically, you know, showing that, well, wait a second, you were speaking to Lev Parnas for 10 minutes and then the White House and the Rudy Giuliani, and you guys had this whole conversation on such and such a date. And then had, watching him wheeze a lot of it by trying to say, because the phone number was registered to my wife, though. It wasn't him. It was his wife calling. I mean, crazy excuses and yeah. just deflection and deflection. A lie on top of a lie. Lie, 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 lie. Deny, yeah. deny, deny, lie some yeah. more, deny some more. I mean, the Trump method. And I just kept watching all of that and it just kept, you know, reflecting and understanding. And it was, you know, because it's not easy to get out of the cult in one day. You know, it takes sure. time. People don't understand because you live so yeah. long in one type of area thinking, well, you know, it takes you some time. So as bad as prison was and as bad as getting arrested, you know, I think it was a blessing to me because it saved my life and it saved my family's life because, you know, if I would have been deeper in, who knows where it could have ended or how it could have ended. So I thank God that, you know, I was able to get out and now I'm able to tell the truth and be on my jersey journey to be able to help other people and help our country by, you know, revealing, you know, how corrupt Trump, Giuliani, and a lot of these guys are. So if I was to go through some of the big headlines that you were kind of suckered in for, the idea that that the election was stolen and that, that you know, Trump should have won because, of course, you know, he, to all intents and purposes, Trump thinks he is the president. And a lot of his followers still refer to him as the president. Yeah, and he wears the badge and has a, like a mock-up of the Oval <laughs> Office in Mar-a-Lago. He's basically like pretending yeah, to be the president, like, which is what he did while he was the president, yeah. ironically. I mean, that now, how does it feel now, kind of where you're at now emotionally and mentally to kind of see that big lie as it's become known being repeated? 
Well, it's mixed emotion. I feel bad as an American citizen that we're going through this division, this craziness, and what he's done to our country, the embarrassment he's put on the, uh, us and the whole world. Because, you know, on one hand, you have to understand America w was a country for the fought for democracy. We would go to other countries and teach them how to voting rights put an implication because we had a one of the things that made us great is no matter what side you were on, Republican or Democrat, once the elections were over, you had a transfer of power that and there and it was on to the next one, and everybody kind of agreed. Whereas Trump basically broke that. You know, uh, there is no more. You know, he he continues to spew saying that the election was stolen. So we're a laughing stock. You know, in a lot of the yeah. all over the world. And then the other thing is, you know, the idolization of uh, a dictator like President Putin. You know, I mean, since when does America uh, idolize a dictator and not stand for democracy? I mean, to hear them stand up in Congress and all and Trump and everybody talk about, you know, that Ukraine. All of them now. I yeah, mean, they're all that, they're all into that him we now. should not give Ukraine money. That which you know, Russia is good. That we're, I mean, yeah. I, it's just mind-boggling. I mean, what's next? We're going to yeah. say that China is the leader of the world, and you know, we should you know, yeah. Taiwan give them Taiwan also. I mean, it just doesn't make sense how this crazy flip transpired. I mean, in a way, it does because. We've never seen, I think the last time we've seen this cult mentality to this degree was when Hitler was around, you know, yes. uh, because this is, you're not talking about a few thousand people. You got tens of millions of people that are so heavily, you know, blinded by what's going on that, and the tentacles have reached now. And it's not just the regular public. You got people like in Congress and Senate and the mm -hmm. DOJ and the State Department and the FBI mm -hmm. because the division is, is big, you know, and you have in the army. You know, and, and our soldiers. So, it's yeah. a very dangerous time. So, you know, as an American citizen, it, it's 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 difficult to watch. But as what about as a as a refugee? Because you know, this is something that, as a migrant myself, you know, I, I think about a lot. You know, you came to the U.S. as a refugee, and then you're buddying up with people who are referring to immigrants and migrants and asylum seekers as vermin and as murderers and as rapists and as criminals, which is just offensive and yeah. completely untrue. Did, did any of that kind of, did you struggle with any of that? You know, I had certain days, uh, uh, even when I was deep in the cult, I had certain days that I struggled with certain things, like, you know, when Trump would make fun of certain, you know, there was one instance in particular when he made fun of a reporter that had, uh, I think, cerebral ser uh, palsy or something like, you know, yeah. he was up there, he made a comment, and Trump came out and, you know, made fun of him. It, yeah. That really, you know, hit me hard because watching everybody laugh at that, sitting in the, in the, in the hotel and watching on TV how everybody's laughing at that, it was kind of sick, you know. Uh, but it's difficult to say anything because then you, you know, they would look at you right away, like, what's wrong with you? Like, you, you know, maybe there's no trust. So, and, yeah. you know, having conversations at home where my wife would constantly tell me, that's not you, love. Like, how can you be around like these people? You grew up in a different world, you know, you used to stand up against bullies. And now, you know, you're around all these bullies and all this stuff. And, you know, I, I would shut her up and basically you say you don't understand this is the president of the united states are you kidding me do you understand what's going on do you understand where i'm at and what's happening you know this is something that you know and i would push push the envelope in which i almost lost my family because of because of my actions and being in the cult and yeah so it was difficult with lots of moments especially when he would talk about immigrants uh because a lot of you know people in that in in doing that talking about had a relationship with certain immigrants. Either they had wives that 
families were immigrants, yeah. like you know, well, Trump's most Americans, like Melania was a, Melania was an immigrant. You know, that's yeah. like yeah, I got that far. I mean, most America, America's made up of immigrants. So yeah. for them to sit there and and spew it, it was difficult. But you know, when you're in the cult and when it's like being on drugs, I tell people, you know, you're not really uh, you. You know, if you take too much drugs, no matter how much you think you're in control of your. Uh, faculties you're not you know you that's why people do such outrageous things that's why people jump off buildings think they could fly that's not because they're it's because the mind gets taken away and being in a cult uh it's it, it's it's sometimes even more powerful than a drug because of the environment you're in and you know you're surrounded like at least when you're on drugs there you can have support from different people that could help you try to get out of it. But when you're in a cult, you're, everybody around you is part of the cult. You're not allowed to be around people that, you know, your friends, your family. That's why if you take a look at the division that's transpired, even inside families, we have families in America that don't don't sit at the same table because of, you know, they don't agree with, you know, either you're for Trump or you're for, you know, the, the yeah. right of, so. And, and the, the sad part of that is that it's completely meaningless. You know, yeah. like Trump is meaningless. Like the idea that the president as an individual should define you. It's 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 pure cult mentality. And, and you know, all the people that would take a bullet for this guy, their lives were not better during those four years. That's the crazy you know? part. Absolutely. They don't understand. And it wasn't that he made it better because what people don't, a lot of them don't understand that there's a time gap that goes on, yeah. you know, so what yeah. we're feeling now is probably what Trump <laughs> did, you know, and, right. you know, and what we felt was from you know, more what Obama did. And then, you know, then later on, yeah. we're going to feel what, you know, Biden did. You don't feel right away what the different changes the person puts in and stuff like that, the president puts yeah. in. But I would never, you know, I think the calling him the president or even ex-president is... It's a disservice to our country because he's a dictator, you know, and, you know, he only cares about himself, the things that he spews, the rallies, the, the hatred, the, the division, the, you know, the anger that, you know, uh, the United States president is a president that uh, he, he talks about love, not hate, talks about right. unity, not division. You know, he's supposed to be the president for all the people. Doesn't matter if you like him or you don't like him. His job is to be able to, because the country is his job is to take care of everybody. And he didn't even he didn't even try that, you know. And that the crazy thing, Lev, is that COVID could have been the thing that brought everyone together. You well, know, COVID yeah. could have been that 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 thing that bound us all because you know it didn't didn't pick out Republicans or Democrats or straight or gay or black or white. Yeah. It, it chose everybody, and he he rejected COVID as a way to unify the country. And, and subsequently and consequently the loss of hundreds of thousands more lives than were necessary if he had taken it seriously. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, because he understands, not stupid, he understands that if he unites the country that he'll never win, he'll never be in the, in the right. seat because a lot of people, you know, his gig is up. The only way he could continue his power ring is by the division and building onto his cult and building his numbers to be bigger than the others and to be able to contain it with power. Because it's not about winning with policies right now. Because when he goes on his rants, he doesn't talk about policies. He's not out mm -hmm. there. You know, he's talking about 
revenge and anger and how yeah. he's retribution. being retribution, you know, getting yeah. get rid getting rid of the constitution. I mean, crazy stuff. So it's but like, that is the plan, isn't it? I yeah. mean, if, you know, if he was to win again, he wants to dismantle the federal government. Oh, absolutely. He wants to dismantle the FBI and the Justice absolutely. Department. He is going to go full dictator, full, full autocracy, yeah. full fascist. Because he wants and to stay in power. He doesn't want to leave. He doesn't want you to which be is able to vote Which what Putin has done in, in, in Russia. 100%. 100%, Anthony. That's exactly his idol, Putin. He looks up Chi. He has a bro bro bromance with Kim Jong Un. Just think about yeah. they're writing love letters. I mean, so weird. It's like you can't. So you, weird. If, you, if somebody told you, you would never believe it if you didn't see it with your own eyes. Yeah, I feel sorry for Elton John having being given that CD of Rocket, Rocket. Man. I was just like, don't bring Elton John into this. He's done nothing wrong. My final question to you is: you know, you're out now. You're still serving your time. You're under house arrest. I understand which can't be easy in itself. But what would you say to other people who hopefully are not going to get arrested and have to, you know, do prison time, but actually needs that little nudge to be able to recognize that what they've been listening to is untrue, that the media is, you know, there's an ecosystem of far-right propaganda that they've been caught up in. What would you say to people who maybe have thought about the fact that maybe they're, you know, on the wrong team? I mean, uh, it's difficult to say because you have, uh, the way I look at it is you have three kinds of people right there. You have your cultists that no matter what I say is not going to change their mind because until they hit a dead end wall, until they hit uh, a rock themselves and come to a reckoning, they're, they're, you're not going to get them out of the cult because once you're in, it's like you're in and, yeah. and you're in for good. Then you have the uh, people that are basically know that he's a fake, know he's no good, don't like him, don't want him, but for their own personal financial purposes or, or greed that they're pushing, not looking at what the future is like as far as what the whole country or, or will be for their kids or grandkids, but are looking what their pockets are right now and think that certain policies that he's going to promote or do is going to help them in their business or help them personally. And those people, you know, uh, have greed that are in their eyes and they're not stupid. They know exactly what it is. So there's nothing I can really say to them because they know the truth. You know, they just, yeah. they, they're, they're, they're grifting. They're, like they're grifting, grifting, exactly. They're willing yeah. to play the game. But then the third group is where I think it, it could be helped. And that's the people that don't have enough knowledge of what's going on. That's the majority, you know, people that work hard every day and get glimpses on television and believe that what they're seeing is true and is driving their you know, beliefs on who to vote for and what to do. And for them, I would say that we live in a time of technology right now, and the best thing you could do is do a little, you know, sit down and do a little research, go on the different sides, go on the left and right and see the difference and find the middle and realize the truth and what's going on because I think every vote is important. And I think, you you know, that it's important to know what's going on in our country right now to be able to make the right decision because who we vote into president 2024, is, they say every election is important. This is the one. <laughs> this is really the one because if, God forbid, he gets into office, first of all, I don't know if we'll ever be able to get him out. <laughs> Second of all, you know, yeah. the damage that he could cause will be, you know, could, could happen for the next 10, 20, 30 years to come. So it's very important. I think information is key. Knowledge of the information is key is because I think what, what they pry on is you not getting the information and by you getting just tidbits and pieces of things that they tell you and then you run with it. 
look at it, try to find it, you know, yeah. with the information sources we have out there today. I mean, you could spend 10 minutes a day and you could see that, you know, a lot of the stuff they're talking about is propaganda nonsense and it'll help you understand what you're dealing with. Yeah. Well, that's what we try to do here uh, on Midas Touch and on 5 Minute News. And I feel like, you know, people are turning to independent journalism more and more because, you know, the legacy networks, people are just not sure who to believe. And so, you know, find someone you trust and, 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 and listen to them. Absolutely. People like you, Anthony, do a great job. Independent networks are, I think, the, what, what the future is about because the, other, the right and the left is too jaded. They press their own agenda, but people need to know the truth, exactly what's going on to be able to make the right choice. Well, that was The Weekend Show for 2023. There's nearly 100 interviews that you can access via Midas Touch or 5-Minute News. I'll be back in the new year with more episodes, more conversations and more analysis. So from all of us at 5-Minute News and Midas Touch, Happy New Year. I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast.